Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Today I start, today we start as a church, our 21 days of prayer. We do this every year. As a matter of fact, just to tell you the history of it, my first year, Daniel talked about a moment ago, I, I wrote a 40-day devotional through the book of Acts, and we went through the book of Acts together in prayer over 40 days. And I, I really think it was revolutionary in the life of our church. And so since then, I have, we've done 21 days, and I've had all the pastors help me as we've written those 21 days that have a different emphasis every time we do it. And so when we launched the family initiative and we want to help families in Peavine City and bring joy to families and, and, and curb the rate of divorce among our families, brokenness in families, uh, we decided to do this 21 days of prayer on the family. Now, now let me say, and this will be the last time I say this, uh, when it, there, there's something in those devotions for everybody. So we want you to, everybody to be a part of that. Also, you, you have to understand this, that when I, uh, I preach on the family, here's what I do. I told some of the pastors who were in my office early this morning before we prayed, uh, you know, I'm kind of plowing down the middle, right? I know there are people who have never been married. I know there are plenty of us that are, that are grandparents or have children at home. Here's what I need you to do. I just need you to say amen, all right? I need you to join in because I'm plowing down the middle to reach that, that middle group. And for those who are grandparents, I I want to tell you that God's charged you to be a a wise witness to your family. And so I'm going to give you words of advice that you can amen, words of advice that you can pass on down the line, words of advice that you can talk about with your kids and your grandkids over these next three services. And not only that, as you listen, you're going to see your uh, maybe your friends, your family, some people in your life who need a sermon, and I want you to be able to share that with them. So hang with me for three weeks. We're going to talk about the family, and uh, when we start the family initiative, uh, there were several people who were worried, oh, we're going to talk about the family. No, that's not true. We're providing a lot of uh, kind of side projects. That's not the right way to say that, but that we're doing for the family. I'm not going to preach every sermon on the family. I, I, I'll do what I typically do, which is three to five sermons a year I preach on the family. I do that every year, and this time we're going to do three in a row. So just kind of set the stage. We want you praying with us over the next 21 days. We want you focusing with us. We want God to do something in our church's life, and there's just power, and it's all coming together to pray at the same time, and so that's what we're going to do. By the way, every morning on social media, uh, there's a one-minute video that goes along with that day's devotion so today we've already published a one minute video I wrote the first devotional and there's there's a one minute video already out that goes along with it and so be looking for that every day sharing that sharing the link and again I want to encourage you that take that link right now pvine.org if you're in the room and just send that to somebody who may need the message or if you're watching online by all means just just text out the message the link you're at right now and invite somebody to listen to the sermon. So for the next three weeks, I want to talk about the winning family, making it 
from start to finish. And so what we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going, going to kind of look at the beginning of family, the middle of family, and the end, end of family. I don't mean end like it died. I mean like uh, the glorious end, you know, later on in life kind of family. How do you get to a glorious end in your family? So in the beginning, we're going to talk about how to start off right. Then we're going to talk about how to, next week, how to fight through the middle. And I'll explain that next week and then how to have a glorious finish. So today I want to preach on this subject. And that is, get off to the right start when it comes to your family. Getting off to the right start when it comes to your family. Right? So you may not know this. If you're like me, you know, you've been married for a while. You, you don't understand how difficult it is now just for this younger generation in dating. Right? Dating is so different than it used to be. And so it's so much harder to find the right person to date and so what this generation has done, has been doing for a little while, is they've leveraged technology to help them try to find the right person. Like, they're using dating apps and dating websites and, and, and those kind of technology tools. And we know this, that, that 60% of people using dating apps are, are uh, women and 40% are men. So that means the numbers favor the men. There are more women online than there are men to choose from. But get this, as of 2021, there are 30.4 million online dating app users and it is growing. 30.4 million. Research tells us that 30% of U.S. adults have used a dating site or app to try to find the right person. That 25.1 million have used dating apps on their phone and an estimated 54% of adults claim that relationships started online are just as successful as those that are started in person like dating apps are a real are a real um, uh, common way that this generation is finding their their true love but there are issues with dating apps for example 71% of people are lying to make themselves more attractive which basically means all of them all of them are lying to make themselves more. So you have to take what they say and factor it down about he doesn't make as much money as he says he does. Right? 50% of people say that uh, they're setting up fake accounts to scam others. 48% are receiving unsolicited sexually explicit images or messages. 25% of the people say they're getting harassed or bullied. And 18% say privacy violations like identity theft and data breaches have happened to them because they're trying to date online. I'm just telling you, dating is harder than it used to be. It's more difficult than it used to be. A few years ago when Frozen had just come out. How many of y'all seen the movie Frozen? You seen the movie Frozen? Right. So it was my oldest daughter, Savannah's birthday, and we were living in the Atlanta area. And I took her to see Frozen on Ice at the Gwinnett Arena. Just me and her, just she and I, whatever, just the two of us. It was Savannah, me, and 12,998 five-year-old girls in the arena. And it was the most awesome thing I've ever been to in my life. It was awesome. I'm telling you, frozen on ice, every little girl came in dressed up like whatever the girl's name is in the movie. Uh, I started to say Cruella DeVille. That's a different movie. I don't know. Uh, but whatever the girl's name was. And I'm telling you, it was awesome when, when, when they were singing, you know, what is it? I want to build a snowman. You heard all these little girls around us just, just uh, 
uh, uh, just singing. It was amazing. And then when during the Frozen on Ice, when they sang, what is that song? Let it go, let it go. Y'all know that song? Listen, there were 12,000, there were just enough mamas in the arena to take the girls home. There were women coming in with 12 and 10 and 12, five-year-old girls. It was amazing. And me and Savannah. So it was 12,998 five-year-old girls with just enough mamas to get them there and me and Savannah. And when they sang, let it go, tears were streaming down my face as thousands of girls, I kid you not, Savannah and I were in tears. the most amazing thing ever. But we got there early. Savannah wasn't married at the time. And she, she, we got there real early because we were afraid, you know, the five-year-old girls would hinder us. And so we, we got there early and Savannah, we were just talking and we were talking about dating and marriage and she wasn't dating anybody, but she was using a uh, popular dating app to try to find someone. And she said, Dad, can I just show you how bad it is out there? And I said, baby, what do you mean how bad it is? She said, well, let me just show you. And she took, up, she took her phone, and, and, and she, uh, it, it's the one where you have to swipe right or something. Like you just get to say, anybody know which one that is? Is it Tinder or something like that? And so she said, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's out there for us to date. A couple things, guys. They don't need to see your chest. Savannah said, I can't find anybody with their shirt on. In a dating app. <laughs> and they don't need to see your bathroom selfie photo. Get a friend. Have them take a picture while you're at your job. How's that? Because it's hard. It's hard to find somebody. I don't know why everybody just doesn't do what I do and go to the grocery store and pick out a girl there. That's what I did produce section they're apparently everywhere that's where I got mine why do we go through all of that trouble trying to find the right person I'll tell you why because we want our family and our marriage to get off to a good start and that includes but not only includes finding the right person and I'm going to tell you if you want to have a winning family now and later in life it is important that you get your family off to the right start and so the Bible doesn't give us all in one place how to get our family off to the right start. But can I do this? Can I just pull, and I'm not going to have us read one particular passage. I'm going to put the verses on the screen. I want us to just, I want to give you some good Bible advice on getting your family off to the right start. And if you're not married, I'm going to start with you today. And if you are married, I'm going to move to you quickly. And so hang with me. How do we get a winning family? We get it by getting our family off to the right start. How do we get our family off to the right start? Number one, let me tell you this. How do you get off to the right start? Number one, pick the right person. Choose carefully. Pick the right person. Choose carefully. Look at what Proverbs 18.22 says. A man who finds a good man who finds a wife finds a good thing I might have put some emphasis on thing there and obtains favor from the Lord a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord hear me a a good marriage is a gift from God. Now, the parallelism here in the passage is formal. The second line explaining the first, meaning finding a mate is the sign is a sign of favor from God. Oh, it does it does not say it, 
But it literally means a man who finds a good wife. That's the implication of the passage, not man that finds any wife. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there are things, um, there are women that are not good wives. Proverbs 31 develops the idea more fully of what a good wife is. And there's a verse in Ecclesiastes, can I tell you, I've never seen this verse until I was studying for this sermon. And I love this verse so much. There is such a thing as a bad wife, right? There is such a thing as a bad husband, let's just say it as a spouse. But since a man wrote the book, he wrote it from his point of view. And you have to be careful getting your uh, theology from Ecclesiastes. He was a little bit depressed when he was writing the book. But I love what the author of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 7, verse 26. He said, I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, hey, if you get the wrong one, I'd rather die. And boy, there are people who have been there with their spouse, right? And so the whoever finds a good wife, we're told, or as it could be broadened, a good marriage, or as it could be broadened, a good spouse, the word good describes that which is pleasing to God, beneficial to life, and abundantly joyful. So here's what he's trying to say. Finding a good spouse is an important first step in a winning home. So what I want to do is spend a few moments giving some advice to those who aren't yet married. Starting in your teen years and wherever you may be. Because the fact is, when you start off with someone you should not be with, it's going to be a difficult road. Not an impossible road, but a difficult road. Now, now let me, let me say this. Let me just, again, this is... This is almost more a fatherly talk than it is a, a, a pastor sermon. We have to debunk the idea a little bit of your soulmate, right? Because every bride thinks she's found her soulmate. And um, if, if the marriage goes south, then, or if, then we typically start recanting that language later on down the line. Well, that, that's really nowhere in the Bible. A soulmate... Is, is not actually, oftentimes we see some of the families in the Bible would be arranged families. And so they weren't soulmates at all. They were, they were put together as a, almost a business transaction at times, but still had a good family at the end of that. It, it, is, it is not quit looking for your soulmate and start looking for the right person that God would have you to have. And there's a big difference between the two. If you start with the wrong ingredient, it's hard to bring about a beautiful product. Not impossible, but it's going to be harder. 25 years ago, I was pastoring my first church, and uh, my wife was out doing something, and it was an afternoon, and she'd, she'd put on some kind of soup for the day for us to eat for dinner. And I got home uh, before she did, and I said, I know she's going to make cornbread, so I'll make cornbread she had a sweet cornbread recipe had a little sugar in it you know and and, and so uh, I thought you know what? I'm gonna surprise her and I'm gonna make some 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 sweet cornbread to go along with this soup I don't remember what kind of soup it was but everybody likes cornbread with soup and so the the recipe called for two-thirds of a cup of sugar and so I couldn't find any sugar and so I thought, there's confectionery sugar in here. Sweet is sweet, right? What's the difference? And I thought, 
I like really sweet cornbread, so I put a whole cup of confectionery sugar in the cornbread, and when I come home, she'll think it is the most awesome thing she's ever eaten in her life. And I did, man. I started up. I did everything exactly right except for the, uh, you know, the sugar. And, and I got it all right. And I, I put it in the oven and I brought it out. And it wasn't the same. <laughs> I'd kind of made corn cake instead of corn sugar, uh, corn, corn bread. And the reason it didn't turn out is I had the wrong ingredients from the beginning. So if you're here today and you're not married, or if you know somebody that's looking, can I give you some advice on how to find the right person in God's eyes? Number one is this, marry a believer. The Bible says, do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteous and lawlessness, or what fellowship does light have with darkness? The Bible's very plain that in a marriage relationship, a believer should never marry an unbeliever. A believer should never marry anyone who's far from God. I'll be honest, a, a, a sold-out child of God should not marry somebody who is not in the same spiritual condition as they are. It is very plain that when you look for somebody to marry, that you absolutely need to marry somebody who knows Jesus as Savior so that you are not, what it says in the King James, unequally yoked together. Number one, marry a believer. Number two, marry someone who serves. Now, why, why would I put in there, marry someone who serves? Because the word agape, love, that we find in the Bible, demands that you serve someone else. Can I tell you, it's going to wear thin quickly if you have a husband that demands you serve him. Or if you have a wife who demands that you serve her. You know what the Bible says before it starts out in Ephesians 5 and gives the whole description of the whole family. You know what the Bible says? Submit to one another. That both are to submit to the other one. And you need to marry somebody who serves, not somebody who demands to be served. Number three, can I just say this? Marry somebody you like. Just because you walk down the aisle doesn't mean you like them. If you don't want to be stranded on a desert island with them, don't be stranded in a 1,400-square-foot house with them. That one's free. Number four, marry someone wise counsel approves of. You say, well, preacher, is anybody's business who I marry? Yeah, the people who are going to have to pick up the pieces if you choose poorly have a right to speak into the relationship. Godly people. You say, well, I asked my friend, and, and she said, she thinks he's the man for me, or he thinks he's the woman, she's the woman for me. Yeah, don't ask that person. Ask somebody who'll speak truth into your life. Ask somebody that walks with God. Ask somebody that has a daily quiet time to approve of that. And then number five, marry someone who's committed to Christ. Ladies, marry somebody that'll lead your family closer to Jesus, not somebody you have to drag to church. Men, marry a lady who, who cares about having a Christian home. 
I want to tell you, you're going to need God one day in your family. And you need to have a husband who's committed to Christ. You need to have a wife who's committed to Christ. And all of that is about picking the right person. Now, I'm saying that's a foolproof plan, but it will get you in the right direction because many a marriage was ruined before it got started because they, someone chose poorly. So that means make the hard choice up front on who you'll marry. That means don't settle. Perf- <laughs> Can I say this? Prefer being single over being in a marriage not ordained by God. And can I tell you my advice to all single people always when I'm asked? Don't seek a spouse. Seek God and let him provide. Don't seek a spouse. Seek God and let him provide. You want your marriage off to the right start? Pick the right person. But number two. If you want your family to get off the right start, be the right person. Worry about you. Here's what he said in Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Your good works. See, if your marriage is going to get off the right start, your family is going to get off the right start. You have to work more on you being the right person than on you making the right person out of your spouse. Because here's what we want to do. We kind of go into the marriage thinking we're already right. So what I'll do is I'll turn my husband into who he ought to be. Or I'll turn my wife into who she ought to be. And we have this tendency to put filters in our lives when we get married. And we can only see what the other person does wrong and what we do right. Right? So we get up every day and we see what our what our spouse doesn't do right in the morning but we did everything right and we see what our spouse doesn't do right during the day but we do everything right and we see what our spouse doesn't do right in the evening but of course we did everything right and we see what our children didn't do right but of course we did everything right and we see what our parents didn't do right but of course we do everything right and that's the filter we have on our lives is we do everything correctly and everybody does else has a problem here's what the bible would say Do this instead. Be a self-evaluator and you be the right person. Hear me, when your family's not going the well, check your attitude. When your family's not going well, check your actions. Check your tone. Check your honesty. Check your position. You might be wrong. In psychology, it's something called confirmation bias. This is such an important principle to remember in your life. Confirmation bias is this, the tendency to process information by looking for interpreting information that is consistent with one's existing beliefs. Philosophers note that humans have difficulty processing information in a rational, unbiased manner once they have developed an opinion about an issue. Now, let, let me tell you what this means. Let me, let me put this in practical terms. Confirmation bias means this. You don't look at the facts and then determine an opinion. You develop an opinion, and you make the facts support your opinion no matter what the facts support. You with me? So you say, I believe this. And then you go out, your subconscious goes out looking for information to back up your beliefs. You say, well, how does that factor in the family? Because you wake up in your family, and you say, well, the problem is with everybody else. Teenagers get up and say, it's all my parents' fault. Parents say, it's all my teenagers' fault. Husband says, it's all my wife's fault. And the wife says, it's all my husband's fault. And when you state an opinion like that, you tend to dig in, and you won't budge. And the fact is, you may be wrong. You might need to step back and evaluate you because once you start believing something, even in the face of overwhelming 
evidence in the opposite direction, you can hardly change your mind. Sometimes in a marriage, the truth is the problem could be you. But once you've convinced yourself it's them, sometimes we're waiting on the magical unicorn to come save us. When really all we need to do is just be the right person. We spend so much of our time convincing ourselves that we are the right person and, and, and we're shining our light on others and not shining, letting our own good works shine. You want your family to get off to a good start? Then don't convince yourself every bump in the road is the other person. It could be you. Now, I'm not saying your spouse is perfect. I'm saying we all have things to work on. The more time we spend in self-reflection, the better. That means you've got to work on you having the right attitude, you doing the right things, you loving unconditionally, you speaking graciously and kindly and encouragingly, you forgiving, you overlooking faults, you not getting your feelings hurt. Your marriage can't help but get better if you simply worked on you. You be the right person. Number three, how do we get our marriage and family off to a good start? Number three, have the right perspective. It's a process. Look at these Bible verses, some of my favorite in the Bible. In view of all this, Peter says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patience, endurance, and patience, endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more you grow like this. Here's what Peter told us, that the, your, your family, even your own Christian life, it is a growing process. The one thing you have to understand about, understand about you and your family, it is, a, it is a growing process. And it's not a, listen, family is not a destination. Marriage is not a destination. It's a process. When two people get married and start a family, it's not a declaration, we're awesome at this. No, can I be honest, you're terrible at it. And in about a month, you'll know how bad you are at it. But the process is we're going to grow together to become what we need to become. Can I give you some examples just from observation and personal experience? Men, when you first become a husband, you don't know what you're doing and you don't understand your wife at all. Can you say men, men? Say it, men, say it. You're, don't be scared. Women, will you say men right there? Thank you. What do you mean? For example, they can complain about their family. You cannot join in. You learn this. She comes home and says, I'm going to tell you what my mama did. I cannot believe my mama did this. My mama did this, and she did this, and she said this. And then you say, you know what? I'm tired of your mama. And she'll say, hey, don't talk about my mama. <laughs> and then you figure it out. Your wife comes home and says, hey, let me just say about this problem I have at work. And she starts telling you about the problem at work, and she tells you how it's not going to people treating her poorly, and this is going wrong. And you say, well, let me tell you what I do. And now she gets mad at you. For telling her what to do. Why? Women aren't looking for advice. They're just looking for somebody to listen. But you don't know that in the beginning. By the way, 30 years later, you forget sometimes. 
I mean, you don't know when you first get married that pillows are an important part of the decor of the home. A man's only ever used a pillow for one reason. What's that for, men? To sleep. No, it's, a, it's important decor of the home. I mean, you don't know that shopping is not the same thing as buying. Two totally different verbs, and we don't understand. I mean, we don't know she's probably not going to use your 99-cent suave shampoo in the shower. Hers is going to cost 10, 15, 20, Lord knows how much on some dollars. And it makes no sense. It all creates bubbles. I don't understand it either. It's just how it works. I mean, you don't know in the beginning that her stories are not going to get shorter or more to the point. It's not going to happen. It never will. She'll be on her deathbed telling a story that makes no sense, that goes on forever, and she'll die, and you'll never hear the end of the story. That's the way it happens. I mean, you don't know in the beginning that it does take an hour or more for her to get ready, and the weird thing is it takes that long to get unready. But ladies, when you first become a wife, you don't know what you're doing either, right? You don't understand your husband. You cannot figure out why he will never ask for directions. I'm going to tell you about that next week. There's a reason. You're just never going to ask for directions. Ladies, you cannot figure out that men do not get hints. Because you'll say stuff like, well, I told you this was bothering me. But you didn't really tell him it was bothering. You hinted that it was bothering you. But we don't get hints. We absolutely does not understand hints. Ladies, you don't understand that we actually think that thing is clean the way it is. Yes, ladies, football is that important. One-word answers are a perfectly acceptable form of conversation. Yes, ladies, you don't understand this. He, I, he's not playing dumb. I actually have no idea what I did wrong. And women be like, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no, listen, I have no idea. Oh, you know, you know. I don't, I don't know. Please tell me what I did wrong. You don't understand that when he calls his best friend stink face, that's a sign of affection. That if he called Jeff, Jeff, Jeff would call him up the next day and say, hey man, what's wrong? Something wrong between us? Because that's the way they talk. Hey, the same is true with parenting, right? I won't go through the list of parenting, but like kids think we have it all together. You know when we get it all together as a parent, when the last one moves out of the home? We're like, oh man, I should have done all this instead of all that. But you know what? The commitment is to figure it out over time and to commit to the process of growing. See, if you want your marriage off to a right start, men, what you have to do, don't be making the same dumb mistakes you made 10 years ago when you got married. Ladies, don't be making the same dumb mistakes. Parents, don't be doing the same ones. Commit to growing as a husband. Commit to growing as a wife. Commit to growing as a parent. If you go into your marriage thinking you and your spouse have it all together, you're going to be disappointed because neither of you do. If you start, think, if you start your marriage thinking you don't need to grow, you're wrong. It's a, it's a process. Stick with it and it'll get better. Let me show you this. In the 1990s, scientists grew trees in a sealed biosphere and couldn't figure out why they fell over before maturing. They eventually realized that the perfect growing environment lacked wind. 
which provides stress and ensures trees grow strong enough to support themselves. Here's what they discovered, that, wind, that trees actually needed the adversity of winds to make them stronger. Can I apply that to your family? Your family needs the adversity of difficult times in order to make you stronger and in order to challenge you to grow to be what you ought to be. But let me tell you, we're in America. I'm going to hit it. I'm, I'm going to finish in two minutes. The median age for marriage in the U.S. is 25, 26. The average age of a first divorce is 29, 30. The average age of first marriage is about seven years. And the highest risk for divorce is the first and second year of marriage. Why do you say all that? We're giving up before we get started. Because marriage is a process. Commit to the process of you being the best husband you can be, you being the best wife you can be, you growing and learning to be what you can be for the glory of God. Number four, I'm finished. How do you get off to a right start? Get the right perspective. That is a Christ-centered relationship. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Ephesians 5.32, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. That marriage is an illustration of how Christ and the church is, are one. Marriage is supposed to represent Christ and the church. And the only way that can happen is if you're building a relationship that is centered around the things of God. For some of you, the missing ingredient in your family is God. You say, well, God's not in our home now. We're doing fine. I tell you, you're going to need God one day. The percentages are not on your side away from the Lord. The chances do not favor you away from the Lord. And I promise you there will come a day when you need God in your life. And if you want to get off to the right start, don't wait until you need God. Start off with God. Your spouse and your children ought to know that God takes first place in your life, that church is not an option. That obedience to the Bible is not an option. That your family prays, that you read the Bible, that you tithe of the Lord, that you serve the Lord. They, listen, this is not just for marriage, it's parenting as well. Listen, don't quit church when the baby's born. If you'll work on you and on your marriage, find the right person and be the right person, have the right perspective and get the right prescription and build your home around the Lord Jesus. Stand with me across the room. I'm doing it again. All right, I'm doing it again. What am I about to show you? A mugshot. Criminals just keep doing dumb things. I'm going to keep using them as long as they do. 70-year-old man accused of robbing a bank in Kansas Lawrence John Ripple gave a note to a bank teller in Kansas City just a few weeks ago demanding cash and warning the teller he had a gun. Ripple took the money the teller gave him and went and sat down in the lobby. And he told the guard, I'm the guy you're looking for. I just robbed the bank. And he sat down. SWAT teams come in, police come in. He's just sitting there with money. And he couldn't figure out why he'd given up. So as they're arresting him, they're asking him, why did you rob the bank? And this quote is so good, I wanted to show you. 
I'd rather be in jail. I'd rather be in jail. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. I'd rather be in jail than at home with my wife. I can deduce from that he did not have a great marriage. I don't know about you. I'm, I've, God's given me insight and wisdom into people, and, and I can deduce he did not have a great marriage. I can almost bet you this, it didn't get off to a great start. Some of you here today, and you, you, you've got started wrong. What do I do? Your marriage is not great. Your family's not great. Your, your family in general's a little sideways. Try to be the right person. Commit to the process of not pointing out everybody else's faults, but make yourself better. It's a process. I hope that I'm a better husband today than I was 30 plus years ago. I hope I'm a wiser parent today than I was 30 plus years ago. Why? It's a process. It's a process. Some of you watching today, you're in the room today, and Christ is not prominent in your home. God's an afterthought. Until you get the right prescription for your home and get a Christ-centered home, is, and I'd say it, it's the most important because if, if your, your home is supposed to be like Christ in the church, that speaks to the relationship that Christ ought to have in your home. Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Hey, thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message this morning on the winning family. Man, it's so good to, to hear that encouragement about what it means to be a good husband, a good wife. And uh, the truth is, there's something we can all do uh, to be a little bit better in our marriages. It just takes discerning and listening to the Holy Spirit and His guidance in your life. Uh, if you want to be a better husband, you can be. If you want to be a better wife, you can be. And whatever role you find yourself in this morning, you can do better. And it just, it, it means coming to that realization, being honest with the Lord about where you are and where you want to go. But hey, the truth is you cannot have a winning family today or ever unless you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you know, it's going to be a battle for you if you're constantly trying to fix your spouse, but you've not fixed yourself, so to speak, and you've not come to a realization of your need for a Savior and, uh, and what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so you're just fighting against the current. And so this morning, maybe you hear that message and you've fallen under conviction because as much as you want to be a better spouse, as much as you want to be a better husband, as much as you want to be a better wife, you can't dig yourself out of that until you have the redemption that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and having your eternity secure. So let me ask you this morning, where are you? Are you 50% sure that you're saved? Are you 75% sure that you're saved? Hey, are you 99% sure that you're saved? Listen, this morning, whatever number came to your mind on your salvation meter, if it's anything less than 100%, then the answer is no. You don't know Jesus. 
Because you have to have that confidence and the assurance of your salvation. But hey, that's not the bad news. Here's the good news. The good news is you can have life and have it abundantly. And it just means that you come to a realization that, hey, you're a sinner in need of a Savior and to ask Jesus to come into your heart. And we, we say that around here at Pivon in the form of A, B, and C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner, that you can't save yourself. B, you've got to believe that Christ died on the cross, that He rose again on the third day, and He ascended into heaven where He remains now. And then C, you've got to confess your sin and commit your life to Jesus. And it is entirely that simple. And it's not the prayer that you pray so to speak, it's the intent of your heart to give your heart and life to Jesus. And that, today, is what matters above anything else. If you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you want to stop fighting a battle that's not worth your time unless you have the salvation of Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you today. You can make that decision right now where you sit, no matter who's around, no matter what's going on around you. You can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. It's not me praying this prayer for you. It's you praying this prayer to Jesus Christ. And it's the intent of your heart to be saved. And so if that's you this morning, just pray this prayer or something like it. Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Lord, I admit that I've messed up. I've gotten off course. And Father, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, and save me. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning, guess what? Welcome to the family. You want to talk about being a better husband or a better spouse or whatever role you find yourself in? You can win in your family. And especially if you have that assurance of your salvation. And so if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus, then congratulations. We are so very, very proud of you. And hey, we want to connect with you. And we don't want you to leave that decision uh, in your seat. And, uh, and so what we want you to do is pull out your phone right now very quickly. And just text I did. That's I-D-I-D to the number 97000. We're not going to bug you. We just want to send you some resources to help you as you begin your faith journey and to walk alongside of you uh, as you enter your, into your relationship with Jesus Christ and to give you some resources to help you along the way. Hey, we just started our 21 days of prayer together. Uh, we'll, we'll start that tomorrow, but you heard Pastor Joel talking about that in his message uh, this morning. And so if you'd like to participate in our 21 days of prayer, then you can connect with us on our website, on all of our social media channels, find out all the information that you need. But the most important one is download the Pivon City app. And uh, in the Pivon City app, you will see every single day's devotion for the next 21 days. And you can do that right within the Pivon City app uh, every day as we walk alongside each other on this prayer journey, asking God to help us win in our families. We're so thrilled that you chose to be a part of our worship experience here at Pivon this morning. We hope to see you next week. Take care. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.